Hello and welcome to another episode of the Taiji Notebook Podcast. This time I'm interviewing Phil Duffy, a senior student of Sifu Wang Ke Ho from Hong Kong, who carries on a lineage of Northern Shaolin and Buxing Choi Fu. Buxing is a much rarer sub-style of Choi Fu coming from a master called Tam Sam, and it's the same style of Choi Fu that I learned in the UK. So when I met Phil back in the early 2000s, we had a lot to talk about. We've kept in touch over the years, and it was great to catch up again for a chat. Here we get into the differences between all the Cholifet styles, how it's different training martial arts in Asia compared to the West, and we talk about the key to it all, the Ging or Jin, that special type of soft power that some people call internal power that the Chinese martial arts are famous for, and how it's used in Cholifet, particularly the boxing style. We also talk about the famed Wing Chun Cholifet rivalry in Hong Kong, and how Cholifet relates to the other styles from the same area, like the older Hung Kun style. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go back and find out how Phil got started in martial arts. Phil Duffy, nice to talk to you again. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Good to see you. It's been a long time. Yeah. When were you? When did we meet? You were over in the UK back in two thousand and four. You talk what? So I was living. I've been in. I've been in the US for eleven years, and it was while we were still in uh, Hong Kong. And so it's got to be 15 plus years ago. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's just a while. How did, how did, how did time march on that quickly? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so you were in Hong Kong at the time, weren't you? Yeah, I was in Hong Kong for 16 years and uh, I've been in the US for 11. So, yeah. Yeah. And so the reason that we bumped into each other was that uh, my student, Paul Bowman, um, uh, went to Hong Kong for a presumably an academic conference because he was always doing that, going to right. foreign lands yep. for academic mm-hmm. reasons, and he was looking for some Choi Fut out there, and yep. he found your school, not your school, but the school you were at. Right. Yeah. So you so yeah, came over about to that. Yeah. So Paul came over to meet um, Sifu Wan Ke Ho, who I train under. Um, Sifuan teaches um, both uh, Baksu Lam, Northern Shaolin, and uh, Baksing Cholifet. And uh, so he came over to train. Uh, you guys train uh, the, the, the Cholifet system, but you train the Baksing lineage as well, right? Yes, it's a Baksing yeah. lineage, yes. Yeah, so, uh, and which is, you don't get that a lot, right? Everywhere in the world, there's a ton of, um, you know, original Chan Hung lineage. Mostly what you see is the Hong Sing lineage, which both are fantastic. Uh, you don't get a lot of boxing lineage. Even in Asia, you don't get a lot of boxing lineage. Um, but it's uh, yeah, Paul came over to, to train and met with us. We uh, we trained, uh, and we had a few beers, and then I came down to Bristol to, to visit you guys when I was in the UK uh, next. Yeah, and you very kindly taught a class for us. I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and like everything with martial arts, it was it was the same but different. You know, like right. um, every every time you meet any other uh, Chinese martial arts style. Even if it's the same system, there's all these differences, even though you can recognize the similarities. Absolutely. I mean, it's really interesting, especially with the older styles. Um, and obviously, I've trained for a while. And, yeah, I started off uh, in the Korean styles and, you know, uh, I've trained some of the Japanese uh, stuff. But it, it, you see, you can go through some of the more modern styles and the differences between um, the schools or the forms of the katas or 
it very slight, right? Everyone tries to stick within a, you know, a, 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 a narrow channel. Um, mm. You go to China um, and you can train the same style under two different teachers, only they're completely different. You know, there's a lot of change happened over the, you know, uh, the period of time that the style has been around 200, 300 years. And so, um, yeah, you, you do get a lot more variety. It's interesting because, you know, in my experience in the West, people pick on styles and they say, well, this isn't correct. You know, it should be done this way. And that isn't correct. It should be done this way. In Asia, you don't get that. Or certainly in China, you don't get that. Um, you know, in China, you've got teachers uh, over there that look at the styles and see the techniques and say, well, it's still the same technique, even if it's done differently. And this is how we do it. It's a different emphasis, different energies, different movements. But, um, you know, they still see the style as authentic. Um, and that's mm. something that's really quite unique. It wasn't something I expected when I got to Asia and when I got to Hong Kong uh, to see the differences in the styles and them still regarded as traditional. You know, you grow up with the, the politics of martial arts in the West, which I think really is influenced heavily by the, the Japanese and Korean styles, which are, are, are you know, a little more homogenous in, in the way they're taught. Um, and you, it's right or wrong. In, in China and Hong Kong, there's no right or wrong. It's authentic as long as it, you know, abides by the principles of the style. Interesting, yeah. Um, so how did you end up in Hong Kong learning um, such a, like a, I know, maybe obscure style of Choi Lei Fat? Um, it was a long old winding road. Um, I started training in the UK, for the same reason most people did, getting bullied at school. Um, you know, I started with uh, a local style, uh, Lao Ga, uh, Kung Fu, um, which was, you know, Jeremy Yao style. I, I, I grew up in Birmingham in the UK, and, and you know, Lao Ga is the home, Birmingham is the home of Lao Ga. Um, over time, I moved areas and, uh, you know, couldn't go to the same, you know, school. So I ended up training, uh, switching to Taekwondo. Taekwondo was my thing for a while. I trained uh, initially in TGB Taekwondo. I went to university, carried on with WTF Taekwondo, got my black belt, you know, carried on training there for a long time, competed a lot, loved it. Um, you know, was competing on a fairly regular basis throughout the UK. Um, and so had dreams. Uh, after university of, you know, European championships, the Olympics, you know, the usual kind of bullshit. Um, and so I uh, finished university, saved up every single penny, was, you know, heading out to Asia. Uh, there was a, a school I was going to, you know, visit in uh, Busan in um, the southern part of South Korea. So uh, I wanted to train there, come back, uh, go through uh, trials, uh, British championships, um, you know, European championships, Olympics. And uh, I, was, I was 25 at the time. Um, so I, on my way over to uh, Korea, I stopped to visit a friend of mine that I went to university with uh, in Hong Kong. Um, my, you know, I'd studied um, uh, industrial design, manufacturing, engineering. And so at the time when I arrived, mid mid 90s, China was the world's factory. There was a lot of people that I'd studied with who were living in you know, Hong Kong or China and working over there, building products. And so I arrived. Um, and my friend's like, well, you know, stick around. We, we, we've got this background. We can work. There's jobs in, in, you know, Hong Kong and China. And you couldn't talk to me about that. I was, no, unless you're bouncing off the ceiling with spinning kicks, I wasn't interested. You know, martial arts, competition, the Olympics was, was kind of my goal. And uh, she eventually convinced me to, to, you know, stick around for a few months, you know, get some money in my pocket before I get a career. 
Um, and so I did that. I you know, ended up uh, uh, getting uh, an engineering job in, in uh, Hong Kong fairly early into my stay there. Um, and while I was there, I decided to go look around at different styles, right? So I, I did visit the mm. Korean styles first. They're in Hong Kong. You know, I visited at the Hapkido schools. Uh, I, I trained a little Hapkido back in the UK as well. I visited the, the, the Taekwondo schools. And there was nothing that I was really looking for. They were very catered towards young kids. Um, and so I started looking at the Chinese styles. <laughs> and I was a complete arrogant asshole i didn't know what he was looking at i must <laughs> i must have insulted so many people um again i was looking for a very specific thing and uh, i didn't really understand the chinese stuff at the time i'd spent 10 years with the korean martial arts and, and lao Ga before that wasn't really a an authentic chinese style so you know it didn't it was more kickboxing and so uh i didn't really know what i was looking at when i looked at the chinese styles and i went to, from school to school to school teacher to teacher and I saw what I thought was flowery or ineffective or, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I was looking at. And I trained a little bit here and I trained a little bit there. And I just didn't find anything that I thought was practical. Not that Taekwondo and Hapkido are the most practical styles, but at the time, that's kind of, I, I, that's how I knew. Um, long story short, I eventually came upon uh, the person that became my teacher. And the difference between him and the other schools I visited um, was that uh, in the initial conversation, um, you know, he, he didn't have a school. He would teach him privately. Um, so mm -hmm. he, he demonstrated some of it, his style. He demonstrated the Northern Shaolin style. Northern Shaolin, you know, long arm form, very flowery. And uh, my eyes audibly rolled in my head. And uh, I said, thank <laughs> you. I was very polite, but, you know, this is exactly what I'd seen in other places, and I, I wasn't interested. And yeah. then he mentioned, uh, he said, well, you know, things with martial arts and Chinese martial arts, you can't really understand it until you you uh, you experience the ging. And I'd heard this word ging, like this, this mystical energy that I'd heard about. And I'm like, okay, you got me interested. Tell me more about ging. And then he said, oh, you, you can't see ging, you can't hear ging, you can't smell ging. And I went, oh, okay, this is another BS conversation, right? Thank you. Great to see you. Uh, he said, but you can feel game. I'm like, uh, okay. He said, you want to feel? And I'm like, yeah. yes, I want to feel. What is this game? Because all these flowery techniques are just boring me out of my mind. And then he said, punch me. And nobody had said that. I've been in Asia probably, you know, a while at this time. Nobody had said, give it a go. And so and I was, I told you, a mid-20s, arrogant, cocky asshole. And so I, I, I went for it. I tried to take this guy's head off. And he smashed me so hard. Oh, my God. So freaking hard. He came out with, uh, again, at the time, I didn't know. But uh, he, he hit my incoming hand. I threw, a, I, I threw a, you know, a jab cross. He hit yeah, my incoming yeah. jab so hard, dragged his hand down my arm. I thought he was—he was going to drag the skin off my off my hand. It was just—it was the, the the sting, the pain, that the energy was insane. Um, then he hit me in the throat with his uh, other hand, and then came back super slow, almost you know, embarrassingly slow, up my arm to hit me in the throat again with the you know the, the initial hand. And I realized then and then if he'd wanted to kill me, I would be dead. There was nothing I could do. I mean, he absolutely neutralized what I was doing. And then um, 
just smashed me with, with an energy I'd never, ever experienced before in my life. Now, could some of the other teachers I visited in Hong Kong ha have had that energy? Absolutely. I was just too arrogant to understand what I was looking at. Um, but yeah, he smashed me so hard. And then I wanted to know more. Well, what was that? What did you just do? How did you get that much power? That was that was nothing like I'd ever experienced. He shut the conversation down. Didn't want to talk more. Okay, bye-bye, bye-bye. <laughs> Let me go. I think actually he got the, the Chinese did the, the, the medicine out. He massaged my hand down. I was asking him all these questions. He was massaging my arm, uh, but didn't didn't engage. Just sent me on my merry way. So I was traveling back to where I was living at the time in uh, in Hong Kong, just awestruck. My brain had been rattled. I didn't know what was going on. I'd never experienced. I'd been hit a million times. Nothing like that. And so I got home and said, I, I phoned him back up. I said, uh, I want to train. He said, all right, come back tomorrow, 10 p.m. And so I go back and um, I started training and uh, we trained privately, just he and I. Um, you know, I went and met him after he finished work at 10 o'clock at night. And we'd uh, we'd go down to the local dockyard in an area called Kennedy Town on Hong Kong Island. And we'd we'd train under moonlight and, you know, uh, the lights out there. And sometimes we'd train for a couple of hours. Other times we'd train till three or four in the morning. Other times we'd train all night long. And at 7 a.m., um, I'd have to phone in sick for work and we'd go for, you know, breakfast and we'd talk for breakfast and then we'd go back to bed and, you know, uh, get up and train again. Um, and it was interesting because with my Taekwondo background, really screwed up my approach to Chinese martial arts. I thought I was doing what I was doing. So I was mimicking what he was doing. Um, but obviously, I was slathering in, in this this Taekwondo kind of, uh, you know, approach. So everything was wrong. I mean, there's some early photos of me back then. It was horrific. Um, he recognized that fairly early. And one of the things I find interesting about Chinese martial arts is there's no syllabus. There is, but it's not a not a set syllabus like the uh, the Japanese and Korean styles. You don't progress level one, you know, to, to ten kind of thing. Um, and so he just said, okay, we're not going to do this anymore. You know, after a few months of training, you just quit all of the uh, the empty hand stuff I was doing, and we moved straight to the the the, guan, the the Chinese staff. And the reason he did that is I had no frame of reference for the guan. I had to start from scratch. And uh. it was learning the guan that reset all of my basics. So I trained the guan with him for probably a year. Um, obviously at this point I was training and uh, my trip to Korea had been sidelined. Yeah, I'll get there. I'll get there. I'll get there. But I carried on training and working and I trained the, the Guan with him for about a year and training the Guan reset all my basics. He's reset my back position and reset my stances. And after a year of that, um, we went back to the empty hand stuff and, and I started to actually be able to follow um, and, and get back to the, the, you know, the, the traditional Chinese basics, which was uh, interesting. Yeah. He couldn't, I, I just couldn't do it when I had that Taekwondo background. I was trying to, you know, do a Taekwondo version of the Chinese stuff. Um, throughout the training, um, it was very based on uh, this is a technique. This is the basics. This is this is what you're doing to develop Ging energy. This is what you're doing as a as a physical technique. They weren't, you know, sometimes they're combined. Um, but then whenever you're learning a technique, it's always combined with the, the power, right? You'd have to feel how this technique was going to be used um, before you understood how it was being used, right? There was no kind of just show and tell arms and, you know, legs and just watching. And, and it was like, okay, this is it. Smash. And you got blasted. 
um, I went around uh, <laughs> my first Christmas there, um, you know, combining Western and, and, and Chinese kind of cultures. I, I, I went over and brought him a Christmas present, you know, and Sifu doesn't celebrate Christmas. Mm. It's not a, a thing uh, for him. <laughs> so I brought him a Christmas present. And in, in Chinese culture, you know, if you give a gift, you receive a gift. And he didn't have anything to give me then. He didn't have any, you know, uh, the, the red pockets, the, the lacy pockets um, that you normally give Chinese. There was none of those around. So he was, he was embarrassed. He said, okay, come, come in, come in. And he closed, he had a, you know, a, a photography studio at the time. So we closed the photography studio, bring the shutter down so no one could see. And uh, then his Christmas present exchange to me was to teach me a technique. So he had me throw a punch. He came in, brought in, but he's one hand around the back of my neck and the other hand was like a gongzheng, a, a, a palm hill strike to my forehead, boom. And he wiped me out. I was gone, he catches me, I'm, I'm you know, on the verge of consciousness, on my head spinning, I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, he sits me down, he starts uh, accessing the um, yeah, points, the acupressure points, brings me back around <laughs> and he's like, you like? <laughs> and that was it right i mean like he knocked me out and that was a present because once i understood that energy then i could replicate the technique and it's interesting because right. over in the west and wherever i've traded in the, in the past it's like a technique is a visual thing you look at a punch you follow that punch you mimic that punch in asia the punch is more about how you transfer the energy or certainly i say in asia in hong kong in china it's how you transfer the energy um and so uh, once you've had that energy transferred, you can gain the technique. And so it, it's, I, I find it really interesting because a yeah. lot of the teachers will try to avoid laying hands on because if they lay hands on you, then you understand that technique and you can learn that technique. Um, right. And so it's a, it's a really interesting approach. Um, so we trained together for a number of years privately. You know, I had a friend of mine uh, join Roy um, that, that's met Mark, uh, 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 Paul as well. Um, and yeah. then um, eventually we opened up a full-time school uh, with my teacher and, and that's still going today. Um, and that's uh, down in um, uh, Xiangguan uh, area of Hong Kong. Oh, nice. So um, when you say Ging, is that the Cantonese pronunciation of what um, a lot of people call Jin? Yeah, exactly. Or, or mispronounced uh, Jin? Yeah, it's, it's Cantonese uh, version of Jin, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, obviously, sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, how would you describe what what ging is? It's interesting because people get mixed up between hey uh, or chi and like ki, and you know, uh, they talk about this inner power, right? Like, um, and in the Japanese style, they they call it ki. Um, uh, the ging, the energy is, and there's different types of ging. It's, there's not like, you know, we have ting ging, which is a listening ging, uh, when you, you, you're you creating a bridge. There is uh, the fucking, which is the, you know, the, the, uh, when you're striking somebody, there's different types of ging. Um, I think the Japanese have something called kime or kaimi. I don't know how it's actually pronounced, um, but it's that like kind of double movements and it's the energy on the end of a punch. Um, the, the Chinese, uh, we use it, the phrase ging and it's not, you know necessarily related to punching you know to different techniques but it's um it is the energy you're you're producing that goes you know from the technique um and different styles have different versions of that you know in a, the 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 style i was training which was mostly uh the boxing toilet uh, and it's heavily boxing is very heavily influenced from northern shaolin 
um, goes back into to, to history where two teachers uh, shared students. Um, but the, the ging is a soft ging. So it's very, very, very soft. And the idea is to create as much power and energy in a strike as possible, uh, but without using a lot of muscular heavy strength. Um, you train hong or honkyu, and the ging is very different. It's a very heavy um, rooted ging that, that strikes more, more like your kind of traditional heavy punch you see in the Okinawan styles. Um, and the ging is, is completely different. Um, and so when you look at the, 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 the ging, uh, the, the common way to break this down is with the um, mhang, the, the five elements, the, you know, uh, uh, water, uh, air, uh, fire, uh, wood, and uh, did I say water, air, fire, wood? Metal. And metal, yeah. Um, and so each one of those has a different component. Um, and so the, uh, it really is the, the transfer of soft energy. Now, if we want to scrapple that and, and, and you know, try to get away from uh, the, the kind of uh, Chinese cosmology, Chinese physics, um, you can just look at it as, as uh, in, from a kinematic sense, it's the transfer of energy uh, through the, 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 uh, the most direct um, method, right? So, you know, if you've got a, a, a ripple effect, a wave going from wherever the energy's, uh, you know, initiated from the feet through the body as loose as possible to be able to get as much energy out the, at the end, but, but um, maximizing the recall, right? So you've got, you, you none of the energy's bouncing back into you. I think a lot of um, what people train in martial arts is the end space, right? You know, the the classic kind of photograph of when you see a person in a full stance with a punch coming out or whatever it is, by then the energy is missing. In the Chinese styles, the energy occurs during the transfer. It, 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 it's during the movement. So if you've got a, you know, it's rather than from stance to stance, that stepping between the stances is where the energy occurs. And that's the point where you hit. Um, and so imagine, uh, you know, you're cracking a whip at one end, you're lifting your hand, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're uh, like slapping that hand down to create that energy wave. Then the energy wave transfers through the whip. You see that, you know, the, the, the sine wave go through and at the end you hear the snap. That's ging, except it's traveling through your body. Um, I spent a lot of time, uh, I mean, uh, don't get me wrong, the, the conversations that we had with my teacher were obviously all around the, 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 the Chinese kind of approach to physics, which is, is based around like Hei or Qi and uh, the, the development of, of Qing energy. Um, but having an engineering background, I spent a lot of time trying to understand the kinematics and, and you know, where that comes in and how the body's like moving or, or creating energy, how it's storing energy, how it's issuing energy. Some of the stuff I could work out, I could do the math on. Other things I couldn't. Um, you know, I, I couldn't work out how the body stores and compacts energy, uh, which going through various types of the uh, gong or qigong, um, you know, it's very obvious that it does. You can see it, but I, I, I couldn't work out the physiology behind that. Uh, but other things like, you know, striking, there is a, a, a definite, um, you know, uh, way you could express that with Western physics or Western kinematics. Hmm. I don't know if that was uh, got a bit weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a lot to unpack there. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to. It's the sort of thing that's very hard to do on a podcast because I can't feel anything. Like you know, if we were Absolutely, if we were here yeah. talking, you could just go, "No, it's like this." Bop, and I Bang. go, "Oh, okay." So it's, 
it's like that and it's not like that it's somewhere right, between right. those two and right, you know right, right. that would be the sort of uh, conversation we'd have and it'd be a lot easier because i could feel what you were doing yeah um, that, that's the problem with this stuff right i mean it, it, it's hard to express verbally it's hard to write it down and you know there's a million books out there that talk about this and, and none of them really accurately describe it um which is why you know the old systems transferred you know teacher to student to teacher to student yeah yeah so it seems to me that what you're talking about is the way of training it is a lot more to do with just doing it and getting the feel right than thinking about the complicated explanation of how it works so i'm glad you brought that up um that's one of the big differences between training in asia and training uh you know in the west um westerners have this include myself you know uh, westerners have this need to understand the logic uh and the the the, the, the building blocks behind everything they, they you show them a technique they go okay i've got it then they've got a lot of questions well how do you do this and how does this work and how do you use this and how uh, in Asia, you don't do that. Um, in Asia, you know, you follow the teacher, you don't ask questions, you repeat, you repeat, you repeat, you repeat, you repeat, you repeat. And when you think you've got it, you repeat some more. And then you go, okay, I've got this down. And then the teacher says, no, you don't repeat some more. And you just, you, you just work it, right? And, and it kind of looks very dogmatic, but it going through that and going through that mental exercise of breaking that down yourself, and asking that question, is this correct? If I get the power, is this correct? Am, am, am I learning this correctly? And the teacher keeping an eye on you, so making sure you don't go down the wrong pathway, but it is a system of self-discovery that way. And I don't think we tend to do that as much in the West. We look we look to understand something um, you know, intellectually and conceptually before we can physically understand it. Asia is the opposite way around. Now, yeah. I know a bunch of people that train in Asia that, that you know, um, apply that method but they also don't ask the questions mentally themselves and so it is just a, a you know repeat and, and and they they never get the the freedom of the technique right they're never able to use it properly because they don't go through the, the you know that questioning the good martial artists i've met um you know are able to uh, actually work with the teacher just work and repeat and repeat and repeat and get that energy into the body and, and work it out but also ask those questions and how do I use it if I'm in this position? How do I use it if I'm in that position? Like, you know, am I, have I got my energy creating? What if I adjust my stance here? What if I, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, change this kind of as aspect of it? I'm getting more power. And, that, and that's the approach. Um, I think uh, the other thing that's important to mention is that class training and private training are essential for all good martial artists in, um, you know, everywhere. A lot of people don't do that. They train when they get to class and they might go to class a lot. You know, they might go three days a week, five days a week, but they train when they get to class. And when you're training in class, you're doing something, your teacher's coming correcting you, but it's very hard to ask those questions of yourself. Whereas I trained and, and I know my teacher does this as well. You know, when he's training under his teacher, my uh, uh, um, <clears throat> he's training and he's following exactly what the teacher's saying. He's doing it. But then he's also training by himself afterwards <clears throat> and asking those questions am i doing this correct is the energy here can i feel this what does it feel like if i move it to this uh, you know uh, space what if what if i just change the angle slightly to here have do i still have it and so mm. i think those two elements are essential to training martial arts i know i did that a lot i you know i trained in my teacher but then i'd also put in private sessions and 
you know, myself and Roy, uh, one of my classmates, uh, we'd, we'd go down to the goon on a Sunday when we knew that there was no one there and literally beat the shit out of each other. I mean, um, trying different versions of the same technique. What if, what if I land it like this? And what if, what if I, you know, use this first one? Can, can I get it to it from this position? I remember we were training the uh, bonking either using um, Singhi at one point. And we just spent a couple of hours, you know, knocking seven shades of whatever out of each other, trying to get that technique down. Um, and, and that's how you learn, right? I mean, you can do it by yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic if you've got a partner. You've got to have class training. You've got to be taught the correct method. And then you have to go and work it by yourself, in my, in my opinion. Yeah. That's how my, my Shingi teacher taught me Feng Chuan, as, as, as he pronounced it. Um, it was basically all about being hit with it. You know, the whole thing was about being hit with it. You like, you know, the the actual physical move. There isn't that much to it. It's it's kind yeah. of like there's a there's a stance which you should know already. There's a step which you should know already, mm -hmm. and then there's just extend your arm. And mm -hmm. but the important thing was the way it hit you, where it hit you. Well, it could hit anywhere, but um, no, as it penetrated, was it going in? Was it stopping on the surface? Mm -hmm. Was it going halfway? Was it going all? And it, it was all those little things that, that mattered more than what it looked like and that goes back to what i was saying earlier right it's about uh, minimizing the recoil it's about ensuring that the energy is going out and not coming back into you and i think um you know obviously a, a really easy way to, uh, to test that is bag training right like often when you see uh people doing the form they've got a great technique and they can bang it out and class the thin air um they can hit pads with it and it's, it still looks good but against a really heavy bag you see people either bounce off or, you know, that, that the, the, the technique kind of glances off crumples, it. Yeah. Structure crumples, yeah, exactly. And so that, that's, I think, the, the, the real ability to do this, you know, combine the, the, the right movement with the right technique, the right kinematic kind of movement within the body to create that ging. And then as you hit, you know, minimize the, the recoil back into you. And that's where I think you get the penetrating power. Um, but you got to, it's not easy to get to that point. Um, boxing particularly is famous for well it, it's called leopard fist in mm -hmm. in english but i'm i'm not always convinced that that's actually the chinese um translation it, do you want to talk about leopard fist because it's quite a big part of uh boxing 25 it is i mean uh so obviously Foot as, as a system is based on the five animals um you know uh you know, tiger leopard uh, crane snake and, and dragon um and uh, the the founder of the boxing version like i said before there's three kind of uh, lineages of Foot. the the chanhang from um uh, Sinwai village there's, there's the uh hong sing um version from um uh, Foshak. And then the boxing uh, version from uh, the northern part of uh, Guangzhou. Um, Tam Sam was the um, you know founder of the boxing. Not that he, not that any of these masters found the style, but they they, they start teaching and the style diverges from the original so much it becomes a, a lineage, right? Um, but uh, he, Chalifat as a style, the Hongqing, the traditional you know original styles have uh, many 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 forms. Um, uh, Tam Tam was much more interested in fighting. Um, and so he reduced a lot of the forms down to a much smaller subset of forms. And what he taught instead was a lot of drills. Um, you know, uh, when he was teaching, 
um, it was all how to use the technique. There's a lot of footwork drills, there's a lot of hand drills. Um, and so we have a lot more drills in the boxing lineage than we do in the others, <clears throat> but a lot less forms. One of the things he trained a lot was what we call tap toy, uh, which is the you know the leopard fist. Um, Pao Kun is, is the Cantonese for leopard fist. Uh, chap toy is um, a uh, like a penetrating fist system that uses the leopard fist in the end. So the, the shape is the leopard fist, but there's lots of other elements to the technique. Um, and we train different versions of it. There's um, you know uh, four different shapes. Um, there, there's the uh, flat peng uh, choi, uh, chap, which is um, with the the back of the hand. I'm trying to describe it. I'm, I'm, I'm performing yeah. this so with the back of the hand up and the, the hand flat uh, in in a horizontal position. Um, yeah. Reverse that, and the palm of the hand is up, but he's still in that horizontal position. Then there's yeah. the 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 the, the, the um, vertical chap, where the, uh, the the you know the chap is. Uh, the, the arm is uh, vertical, uh, the, the hand is vertical, and the palm is facing in towards you. Or there's the version yeah. where the elbow rolls over, uh, negative chap, and the, uh, the again, the hand is vertical, but the back of the hand is facing in. Um, those are the four basics, and then we, we utilize them in a whole different uh, array of movements combined with, uh, you know, how the arm swings and how the, the hand's hidden, um, and the different footwork, right? Um, yeah. There's a system, a system called uh, Lin Wan Chap Choi in, in Cantonese, which is continuous chap, um, where we're firing different techniques, either from the same hand or from the you know reverse hand. And the thing with the chap in the, the boxing system is it's a hidden technique. So we don't want someone to see it coming. So when we fire it, it's often fired underneath an existing technique that's out there. So if I've got my arm out, I've thrown a punch, I've thrown whatever, then the way the, the chap comes is it, it, it sneaks its way to the opponent by coming up under the armpits of the, uh, you know, when you're throwing it, and it snakes along below the other arm to strike out. Um, so we, we try to hide it as much as possible. There's also versions where we come from behind and the hand's behind us so you can't see it, and then it snakes through and uh, it becomes visible at the last second. Um, it is a, it's combined with the footwork, the, the bit bar footwork. Um, and so the hand by itself has no power at all. In fact, you don't even, we don't even train power for the hand itself. All of the power for the, the, the chap is trained in the footwork uh, training. And so there's various different footworks uh, where we're, we take a step and then we slide the back leg in. And so there's momentum with the whole step. We create this body mm -hmm. momentum. Um, and we train that as large and as wide as possible um, to build the power up. But in actual usage, it can be just a fleeting, like, a, you know, a, a, the tiniest uh, movement. So you don't even have to take a step. But we train that power with this, this bit more training. And that's what uh, generates the power to the hand. Um, I, I will say, you know, what I've described with the chap, the panther fist, the, the leopard fist, um, if you haven't trained those hands, it is not going to work. You're going to break mm. your wrist. Um, so a big part of, of, of training in the boxing style is conditioning. Um, we do a lot of press-ups on the chap, you know, on the hand and on the chap. And really what you're trying to do, you're not trying to strengthen the end of the, the, the fingers, although we do do the conditioning on that. You're trying to strengthen the wrist because that's the first yeah. thing that's going to, you know, give way. Yeah. Um, there are two thumb positions for the, the chap choy. One is the thumb along the side of the hand on the outside. One is um, the thumb pulled across the, the palm below the, the curled fingers. Um, yeah. Both of those give a rigidity to the wrist. Um, 
I'm not sure which one I prefer. I, I, I tend to use both uh, for different things and I train the, the press-ups on both. But, you know, training those press-ups so that the wrist is strong enough is absolutely essential because you can't use it the, the chap without. Um, what I do like about it is because all of the energy is, you know, concentrated on the, um, the, 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 is that the second knuckle? I guess that's the second knuckle. Um, rather than the, yeah. you know, the, the big knuckles of the, the, the fist. Um, you, you're hitting with a much uh, smaller area, so you're penetrating a lot more. Um, you know, you wouldn't want to use this in, in replacement of a jab. It's not that kind of attack. But you, you know, certainly uh, use it with the, the pitmar movement, the body movements, and the footwork. You can penetrate really deeply with this. Um, we tend to use it to strike uh, the ribs, the solar plexus, the throat, um, any of those kind of exposed areas. You're not you're not hitting someone in the you know in the chest of the body with this. You know, uh, uh, or you know, um, you're using it in vulnerable areas. So. Point to the chin, uh, uh, point to the jaw, eyes, um, throat. Throat's a big one for this one. Um, solar plexus, um, those kind of areas, and it, it has a, a fantastic ability to penetrate. Now, one of the tenets of the uh, certainly the boxing trailer fight is once a hand goes out, it doesn't come back empty-handed. So we might strike with a say, I'm in, I hit with the right hand. Um, once it's hit rather than pull that back for the left hand to 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 you know take over once it's hit we'll we'll pull that through and transfer it into um like a ding toy or a, a you know a um a needle punch so we'll drag it up the body and and hit the the bottom of the chin with the knuckles uh, with a strike mm. up before the other hand comes out so once it's hit it's still live again this is part of uh building the king up so once you've hit you've created the that you've hit with the power but there's enough ging in the body so that you can still cause uh, damage and still strike without having to rechamber the punch. Um, and that's a big uh, thing about like building the soft energy up is you don't need to chamber the punch one, two, one, two. You don't need a full body movement to create that power. Um, and so the, the, the chaps are really useful technique. Um, uh, we don't generally use it as entering. I, I know I've seen a lot of people on you know YouTube and stuff using the chap almost like a boxing punch. Um, that's not how it's taught in Asia. Um, it's not. We don't tend to use it as a you know as an entering technique. It's uh, once something's been established and we're looking to to move and capitalize on that, um, then uh, we would use the chap. Um, it's quite funny. You know, I see a lot of westerners train chinese martial arts and um we all know the jab punch combination you know uh, we get these days in boxing mma kickboxing whatever it is very powerful technique and so but it has that connotation that it's western boxing it's different um and we you know we should use a, a chinese technique instead uh, of that mm. um but in hong kong china they use the jab cross so they'll, yeah. they'll 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 jab like a Western boxer, and as soon as a bridge is made, as soon as they've got the 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 the, the cue, the young cue is is there, they will transfer into um, you know Chinese hands. Um, and so yeah, my teacher will use that all the time. He'll use a you know uh, the, the like a Western boxing jab. Not that he's looking to um, strike with it. It's it's merely to create that bridge, right? Once the bridge is there, then the hands transfer into something else. That's really interesting. I mean, boxing's been in Asia for, like, you know, Western boxing has been in Asia for hundreds of years already. So, there's no, you Absolutely. know, why isn't it part of the systems? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, all of the guys I know use it. Um, and then that's whether it's Chalifat or, you know, uh, um, you know, Chetsin Tonglong or, you know, whatever the style that, that's been trained out there, all the teachers use a, you know, a, a version of a jab. But again, they're not looking to, it's not that it's not used the way you use a jab every, it's, it's used as an opening technique to create a bridge. Yeah, once yeah. that bridge is there and move into the Chinese techniques. Interesting. I'm talking about other styles. Um, it, is this Wing Chun Cholifat's rivalry in Hong Kong really all it's cracked up to be? And this is a question from Paul Bowman. He told me to ask you this. Dude, it is the funniest, funniest. Yeah, it's it's totally there. And it's it's um it's there on on a, a level of uh you know um Celtic versus Rangers. I mean it is it is there. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's the funniest, funniest, funniest thing. So Back in the day, uh, there's an area in in um, China, uh, Foshan, in it's a a town within uh, the the Guangdong province, and that town was famous for three styles, right? Um, it's famous for um, Hongqin or Honga. Um, it's where uh, Wang Feihong lived, right? Um, and uh, there's a fantastic uh, Wang Feihong museum there. If you're ever in like you know southern China, Fatan or in Kansi's uh, the, the area is called Fatan in, in Mandarin Foshan. Um, it definitely worth visiting. So the Wang Fei Hong Museum's there. Also, it's where the, the Hongxing uh, Gun is there, and uh, for Cholifat. So the Hongxing Gun, um, the original Gun, the original school is is there. It's celebrated 170 years uh, this year. It's a beautiful, beautiful building, um, and like kind of the mecca of, of uh, uh, Cholifat. It's also where uh, Ip Man um, was based originally, and uh, there is a, a, an Ip Man Museum there. Now, they lived in different time periods. Um, but you know, uh, so Foshan really is the heart of, of you know modern uh, Yip Man style Wing Chun, um, modern um, you know Wang Fei Hong style Hong Ga, and um, you know uh, the modern uh, Hong Sing style Cholifa. And because of that connection, there's the, the, these rivalries between the schools. Now Hong Ga is the is the, the the granddaddy of the southern styles, and so they take this position where they're wearing the white hats. They're the white you know the cowboys. And, um, and they're uh, the, the the granddaddy of the thing. So they and, and then the two kind of um, troublesome children are Wing Chun and, and uh, Choi Lifat. And, but it, it's absolutely hilarious um, that rivalry in Hong Kong between Choi Lifat and um, uh, Wing Chun is is completely there. That you you should hear the bad mouth in between the different teachers, and it's all done in jest, right? They all know mm. that Wing Chun, all the Choi Lifat guys know Wing Chun is legit. All of the Wing Chun guys know that Choi Lifat's legit. Um, but there is this absolute Celtic versus um, Rangers style of rivalry between the two, and it's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, all of the uh, into, into fights. No. Hong Kong. <laughs> when I, I I arrived in 1990, and um, back in the day, it was a it was a city where there was a, a, a you know the fights would uh, occur. In these days, um, it's one of the safest uh, cities in the, in the world. It's well policed. Uh, culturally, there is a, a lot of respect there. You know, it's a collective society, not an individual society. You don't get a lot of fights. And, and when you do, they tend to be triad versus triad, um, you know, uh, kickoffs. Right. There's very, yeah. very few. The martial art, like uh, tournaments, the, the martial art events we go to um, are very placid. Um, you know, if, if you go to a Sandar fight and there's Wing Chun fighting or Cholifat Wing Chun, I mean, the crowd is going bananas, but there's no no difference. 
um, between the fighters. Um, we do a lot of uh, these big uh, Chinese association dinners that happen several times a year, and, and you'll turn up, and there could be 300, 400 people at these dinners, um, each sitting at a table of 12. And during the dinner, people come up and, you know, uh, do demonstrations, uh, weapons, qigong, um, empty hand forms. And, and occasionally you'll get like a multi-style dinner, you know, uh, and you'll get Wing Chun and, and Tolly Fert, and, and there'll be barbs kind of, you know, past, uh, but no one, no one does anything. You know, all that stuff's gone. Yeah. You know, you've got to go back to the 60s for that, I think. But yeah. it is, it, it is sounds, hilarious. It sounds, it sounds more like it's like one big family that's arguing amongst themselves rather than like separate elements. None of it's real. Um, it's all good natured joshing. Um, but yeah. it is, it's, yeah. it's really, really funny. Uh, but yeah, no, no one's, and then everyone will talk about the different style and their style and like, you know, and occasionally you get the, oh, the, the Gua Choi was designed to take out the, uh, the, the Tan Sao hand of the Wing Chun, but they, none of the teachers believe that as a, as a real thing. If you look at the, <laughs> the, the timelines when they were developed, none of the, historically, none of this uh, supports that, those arguments. It, it's more, no, no, um, historically, Choi was way earlier than Wing Chun. Way earlier, way probably, earlier, exactly. Like 60 odd years, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's and and Charlie uh, became a very big star. It was one of the, the most prolific stars in southern China, and because it was associated with uh, the the Hongmun, the um, uh, the group that was pushing uh, against uh, the uh, Qing government, um, Wing Chun came much later and was very 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 small in southern China, um, and you know, and and got slightly bigger when it man moved to to Hong Kong, but again, like the growth of Wing Chun happened after the Bruce Lee phenomenon. Um, yeah, so it yeah. wasn't really a big rivalry back in the day, um, and these days it's more of a um, it's 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 more of a, a, a joshing kind of joking thing. But it, it, it's yeah, absolutely there. It, it can't hurt the uh, marketing of either style to have a bit of no. like it's a bit like the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, you know? Like Ab it helped, absolutely, it helped both of them. Yeah, yeah, totally. It, it's uh, hilarious. I've got to say, when you're in in, in uh, dinners and you meet these guys, the Wing Chun guys like saying this, and the Joe Fat guys saying that, it's it's really funny to observe. Yeah. Um, is there? I mean, having trained in like traditional uh, Chinese martial arts in Hong Kong, uh, how how embedded would you say the religious aspects of of the practice are? Oh, that's an excellent question. Um, it's an excellent question. So, you know, uh, first thing I'll say is Chinese martial arts are part of Chinese culture. Um, you know, a, a really in-depth, uh, long-lived uh, part of Chinese culture. And so mm. people in Hong Kong, whether they train martial arts or not, know about Chinese martial arts. It's on TV all the time. It's in the books. It's part of the, you know, Southern Chinese kind of culture. Um, and so, uh, alongside that, religion is part of Hong Kong culture. Um, you know, Hong Kong is one of the most modern cities on the planet. Um, it still has an underlying kind of uh, connection to Taoism, Buddhism as the two majors. Um, you know, you may grow up as a Christian, um, uh, but often when there's a death in the family, the funeral will be a Taoist funeral. Um, Taoism and Buddhism are, you know, uh, those uh, religions that are, uh, it's about the individual and you can be a Taoist and go to a Buddhist temple, you can be a Buddhist and go to a Taoist temple and, it, it, you know, it's, it's 
uh, more about uh, you you paying homage. You don't go to a uh, a service. You know, you go to a temple. You light the incense. Uh, you know, you you uh, make an offering. You make your prayer, and you move on. And so it's really not about sitting down and and, and having that. So so you can you can have your approach and, and not be a defined Buddhist but still believe in the Buddhist elements in the culture or not be a defined Taoist and still take part in the Taoist elements in the Chinese culture. Chinese martial arts associated with them. My teacher actually is a devout Buddhist. Um, uh, he is uh, heavily um, involved in the you know uh, Buddhism uh, that comes from uh, Tibet um, and so he actually is a devout Buddhist but again um, you know, when we first set up the school, uh, we would go to the Taoist temples, make offerings, um, you know, feng shui is tied in there as well. And it's really hard to separate these out in the, in the different elements. So religion and, uh, you know, I would say cultural connection to the wider Chinese cosmology are a big part of uh, martial arts in Hong Kong. Um, all of the teachers are, uh, you know, associated with that without them necessarily being a devout Buddhist or a devout Taoist. Um, you know, often I'd go training and a session, you know, we wouldn't do any martial arts. It'd be about, you know, understanding uh, feng shui and, and, but not understanding mm -hmm. kind of feng shui from the, you know, oh, I need a plant in, in front of this window. Oh, you know, the sun needs, it, it's the, the, the approach to uh, uh, feng shui in, in Hong Kong is um, much more based on cosmology and, and numerology. Um, and so there's a, a, a very complex, kind of uh, compass they use to, to determine kind of energy levels and where things are coming from. And the, the Western version of feng shui is, is, it doesn't really reflect what you see in, in Asia. Um, mm. And that's tied to understanding the concept of, of you know, um, uh, the way the universe works from the Chinese kind of, uh, kind of spiritual perspective, you know, the mokik becomes Tai Gik, you know, emptiness becomes uh, Tai Gik or, or Tai Chi, um, which becomes, uh, you know, goes through and becomes the, the Yi Ching. Um, and those elements are tied to the belief in uh, He or Qi and then how Qi works in the body. So again, you, you, you've got this, you've got this uh, understanding that's tied to uh, Taoism that's then associated with uh, the way that Qi works which is then tied to the way the Chinese medicine works, which is then tied to the way energy moves in the body, which is then tied to martial arts. So all of these things are tied together in a complicated bundle. Uh, and mm -hmm. I turn up and some sessions would be, you know, uh, preparing um, the tajiao or, or the herbal liniment for, um, you know, uh, fixing, you know, bruises or breaks. Or, you know, I'd have a, a student to be there with a, a broken um, limb and we'd have to build out the uh, the, 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 the poultice and help Sufu kind of, um, you know, repair that wound. Um, other days I'd turn up and we'd go to the temple and Sufu would be explaining the, the different uh, Taoist gods and, you know, their, their background. Um, other days we, we'd turn up and you'd be lion dancing. Um, and so you, you, there is no kind of Friday night's martial art night and kicking and punching in Asia. It's it's mm. more about learning this deeper aspect of Chinese culture. And and you can't separate religion or any of the traditional cultural elements from martial arts. They're all smushed in together. Wow, which makes it difficult to um, teach other people, especially in the West, isn't it? 
Yeah, I it, I really struggled when I first moved to, to the US, going back into a Western style. Um, and uh, what I missed, and I gave up, I stopped, stopped training for a long time. Um, what I really missed wasn't the physical elements of martial arts, it was the cultural connection. And mm. uh, it just did, it wasn't there for me. Um, and so that, that was that was really hard um, going back to uh, a place where martial arts is kicking and punching, but without an understanding of any of the greater kind of information. Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, I was going to say one thing I've, that I've, whenever we've like touched base over the years, you've always been telling me, oh, well, I've, I've, I've met this guy and he's really interesting. He's got this style and then I've met this guy and he's got this style and we swap a few techniques. You've always kind of kept your hand in at learning little new things here and there, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, you've got to empty the cup, right? I mean, that, that's the thing with, with uh, Sifu. Um, you know, uh, so he's got two main teachers, uh, you know, um, uh, um, and uh, um, one of them comes from the Northern Shaolin uh, background. Everyone who's trained Northern Shaolin in, in Southern China and Hong Kong, uh, has a connection to Cholifut because the original teacher, um, uh, Gu Zheng, um, his best friend was Tam Sam, who was the, the founder of the Baxing Cholifat lineage, and they switched senior students. So if you study Baxing Lam today, you will get a little bit of the uh, uh, Baxing Cholifat lineage. If you study Baxing Cholifat, you'll get a little bit of the Northern Shaolin lineage. And he has one teacher from the, um, you know, Jukka Jung from Baxing Lam, another teacher from, uh, 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 you know, Yip from uh, the uh, Baxing Cholifat lineage. Um, and so those are his two teachers, but then he's always meeting other folks and saying, well, what about this and how do you learn this? And um, so he, he always encourages learning. And I've seen him, I can't this guy's been training for you know decades. The guys are just an, an unbelievable martial artist. And I've seen him be completely humble. Uh, talking to, you know, one of the seniors of another style and, you know, the conversation will get past kind of the initial kind of, you know, introduction and this, that, and the other, mm -hmm. and it'll get to, well, what about this element? And, and Sufi's trying to tease out, what does this guy know? How can I learn it? And he's insanely humble when he does that. And I'm the same, right? You know, um, it's always good to keep training. It's always good to, to uh, understand more. And so whether I walk into another class or another place, um, you know, it, it's, uh, you do it, you know, with a, a white belt mentality and you, you empty that cup. Roy you know, and I, um, again, my training partner in Hong Kong for many years, we used to take a boys weekend every year and we'd go to another part of Asia. So we'd fly out to Taiwan and we'd go and we'd have quite a few beers, I must say. But we'd also go and visit <laughs> a bunch of schools, right? And we'd, yeah. we'd you know, we'd, we'd get up at 4 a.m. and go to the parks at 5 a.m. And uh, have conversations with uh, Bakwa teachers and Singhi and uh, you know, Taikik. Uh, we'd go to um, Malaysia, Singapore. Uh, uh, we went to Korea. Uh, and for us, it was uh, going on this uh, homage of uh, visiting uh, other schools. You know, challenging. You know, we don't even have to learn. It's just, can we embed ourselves in the culture of this country uh, meet a couple of uh, phenomenal people uh, hope you know maybe learn a few things um but if not just be uh, involved in the the culture of the martial arts in that that you know city or, or, or country you know we loved it and i've tried to continue that that kind of uh, approach yeah so what are you up to at the moment then so I'm, I'm back training, you know, um, I, uh, I just got sick of being old and not being involved. So I'm back training, um, you know, uh, one of the, the, the good things about the COVID lockdown was, 
you know, uh, it gave me the time um, to to build out a, a you know a, a little gym at home. So I've got a gym here. You know, I, I'm I'm back to being uh, getting fit again. I've got the uh, we've got a uh, a ching chong or a mang chong, a wooden dummy with the choile fountain with a movable arm set up. I've got oh, brilliant! Yeah, I've got all set up. So I've, ne I've never seen one of those, a real one of those, um, but I've seen pictures of them. But they look it's great because you can, if if for the south shore, you can sort of go. Bop, bop, mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's so it, it, it's great, yeah. I mean, I, I'm using it fairly regularly. I, you know, I, I use it uh, for different techniques. So, you know, um, obviously, one of the things you can do a lot more, you know, with those kind of things is practice the samsing or you know the conditioning techniques, right? So I'm I'm conditioning yeah, my arms yeah. there. Using it to dodge out to prepare conditioning my arms, but then you can also use it to work footwork. Um, and uh, your different techniques. So I'm, I'm using that fairly regularly. I've got my wall bag set up. Um, I've got a, a number of other things. You know, my style in Hong Kong, we did a lot of conditioning. So, you know, we've, I've got a, a fairly wide piece of bamboo uh, or, you know, a, a thick piece of bamboo that I've is hollowed out and uh, I filled it full of rocks. I've sealed the ends. I use that for rolling the arms. Um, oh, yeah. I've got my yeah. uh, uh, sandbags. Uh, you know, again, I've got one with, um, um, beans one with uh you know uh, small rocks and then i've got one with the um uh, lead shot so i'm training that again um so i'm, I'm going through and I'm, I'm training the the my systems from hong kong uh, i've got to say at this age i'm 52 now doing the northern shaolin is hard on me uh, my hips yeah. just they don't move the way they used to i think i've got years of injury and so the the the, the really low stance stuff the pop toys the, this you know spinning sweeps um kind of more extreme uh stance I, I i i struggle with these days so i'm really focusing more on the mm. trolley foot i can get through trolley foot no problem uh, so i'm training the trolley foot uh you know i I've, I've got a group of there's a group of folks i met in in san diego where i live um that train uh uh honky honga um and they uh the teacher there uh, like me um many years uh, uh you know background martial arts um he has been a Chinese traditional medicine doctor for the last 20 odd years. He, he you know, he works as a, he does a jangao, um, acupuncture, acupressure, uh, toina, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's got a, you know, an in-depth kind of academic understanding of this stuff. He started like me uh, originally in Taekwondo, Taekwondo, Kyokushin, went to Japan, trained uh, Shurinji Kembo uh, before he was exposed to uh, Chinese martial arts. And for the last, you know, 20 plus years, he's been training in Hongkyu. Um, and so he's got this uh, background where he really understands what he's doing. He teaches a very traditional version of Hongkyun, um, which works for me. He teaches in a you know traditional kind of Chinese uh, format. Um, and uh, again, uh, you know a lot of work on the conditioning, game training. Um, and so there is that kind of connection with the Chinese culture, um, yeah, which yeah. you know you don't get in other schools. It's a very small school, um, you know, a six people training there they're all around my age um we've all been training for decades um it's just a bunch of old folks um that uh <laughs> still put the effort in still work hard but like there's just zero ego so i go down there and i exchange i i, I teach a little bit my uh boxing uh, um you know i learned a little bit of the hong Kong and like it's a really good exchange so that's kind of what we're, we're, i'm working on now is you know my traditional stuff from uh, Wansufu, um, learning a little bit of the you know the foundational form of the Hong Kong style um, 
Gongji for Fukin, which is incredible. You know, Hongkin and Cholifat, they come from the same place. Um, mm. So a lot of the techniques are almost identical. The Ging, the energy yeah. is completely different. You know, uh, Cholifat's okay. a, a long okay. arm style. We, we use it short, but we train long. But it's all about striking and, and um, developing the, that, that ging on, on the strikes. Uh, Hongkyun is a essentially a grappling style. It's a standing grappling style. You're, you're, you're a lot closer, and so there's a lot more body manipulation. Um, the two, I think, complement each, each other incredibly well. Um, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if, yeah, I, I think with your background, obviously you do a lot of the ground floor uh, grappling, uh, but. You know, having your the, the background in Tai Chi and the, the kind of standing grappling they have in Tai Chi and then uh, the Cholifat, I think you'd be, with a good teacher, you'd be really interested in Hong Kong. I always thought it was Ooh. a, because it looks, when you see the forms, it looks like a striking style, but they've got yes, like kind yes. of different, but all of the hands-on techniques, none of it's, I mean, very striking, obviously, but a lot of it is grappling. And I yeah, have no manipulation rather than, so that oh, you're body manipulation you yeah yeah you think they're strikes but really they're just sort of like exactly right. in jiu-jitsu you'd call it an arm drag you know that, that's right. kind of like arm drag, that's standing, exactly. standing yeah. arm manipulations yeah yeah all those things when you're coming up under the tricep and you're pulling you know it's funny because you yeah. see the form you see, there's a lot of tiger in, in the honkyun yeah and the, the hands could be anything you could have mittens on it it's 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 not about that it's about the forearm where the forearm's position and the body movement because it, it's yeah. all about um it's all body work it's all about how you're leading someone and, and manipulating their you know their position um it, it's the like, almost like the prelude to judo before a throw when you're moving someone and getting mm. them off balance and then you've got the throw uh in, in honkyun it's the same it's it's that prelude to the movements body control and then you've got a trip or a strike um you know you're either getting them off balance moving in position where you can strike and cause you know uh you know uh, an effect or you're getting them in this position where you're tripping them and then can follow up but it's there's no groundwork um but it is an incredible amount of standing grappling and for me i've never done that so i find it fascinating yeah well it's, it's great that you've uh, managed to find something so traditional and uh authentic like so close yeah. to you yeah no it is it, it, yeah it's an hour's drive but it's uh it, it's it is well, it is it's a long way yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you know when there's traffic it's not, it's not too bad um but yeah it's, it's a good place the you know the place i train at um is uh the the chinese uh Daoist association um downtown hong kong it's uh the the, the guy who forms that originally uh he is a uh, chen tai chi uh teacher so he he lives in that like a uh, tai chi bagua singi world um you know he's also a professor at uh the local kind of uh, traditional chinese medicine school um you know and the the place is set up it, it looks like an authentic wound it's the closest you're going to get to asia um you know in somewhere like california where it's you know it, it, yeah, certainly san diego you know if you're in the areas with larger chinese populations you're in la or you know uh, san francisco you may you may see more traditional stuff but it's a lot of what you see in asia is you know cobra kai 
or you know so over here there's uh, sorry what i say in asia what a lot of what you see in california or in the us yes yeah, in california is, yeah you know mcdojo stuff right so it's there's a yeah. lot of mcdojo karate places there's a lot of mcdojo kung fu places there's a lot of there's a lot of mma you know uh southern uh, california has got a, a you know a fairly rich tradition in, in mma but again it's taught in that very westernized kind of approach um mm. Yeah, you, 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 there's not a lot of traditional Chinese stuff. You don't see that. Here. No, uh, did you say it was San Diego? San Diego, yeah. Yeah, that's the that is the mecca of Brazilian jiu-jitsu in America as well. Yeah, huge, huge. That's where all, that, that's where all the famous people are. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So those schools are legit, right? They're very legit, and then they're great. But then um, you've either got you've either got that like really legit uh, BJJ MMA stuff, but again, it's a very Western approach to martial arts. Or you've got yeah. Matojos, right? You don't have. Um, you, I haven't even seen a lot of good karate here or good traditional Japanese stuff. Um, you know, it's. Mm. I, I'm sure it's here. I'm, I'm, it's just I, I haven't experienced it. Fine. There's one oh, really authentic wushu school that I know, but again, wushu is not my kind of style. But it is absolutely authentic. Um, I'm sure there's mm. decent Wing Chun here. There's, there's decent Wing Chun everywhere, but. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, I think we've been going for about an hour, so we should we should probably wrap things up. Um, I just to let you know, I, I'm still practicing that Charlie Fuck draw that you taught me when you were here. No way, that's so crazy. It, it has survived. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. That's awesome. Yeah, from, yeah. So like, it's straight out, you know, little little seeds are dropped somewhere, and they absolutely they carry on. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. So, any great to hear that you're you're still training and uh, enjoying the the chinese culture and uh, the you know the martial arts yeah thanks i try to keep it alive right i should be teaching more um i work crazy hours but it's uh it's funny uh, in my life when good things have happened to me it's all been around martial arts i've met people outside of martial arts so you know through martial arts that I, i've got new jobs from i've got good things have happened um mm. whenever there's been elements um when things aren't being successful in my life it's because i've stopped training and or it, it's it's not because but it's it's alongside me stopping training and so yeah. martial arts have just been this thing's always been good to me and I'm, I'm trying to keep it going cool well thank you for being on the podcast and sharing your knowledge with um, all our listeners that's been very welcome really great thank you good with you again all right have a great day bye-bye and you bye Thank you for joining us. You can find out more about the Tai Chi Notebook podcast at www.thetaichinotebook.com. You can support us by giving our podcast a positive review on iTunes and our page a like on Facebook. Just search for The Tai Chi Notebook to find us. Until next time, enjoy your training.